This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. Today on the podcast, we're going to do something just a tad bit different. I have many, many clients that come in and ask me to help them produce a podcast for the internet. And one of those clients is the Crossroads Chapel. The Crossroads Chapel is a ministry that primarily has started out some 60-some years ago on the state fairgrounds. Spend the 12 days on the fairgrounds talking about Jesus and presenting the gospel. Well, they have branched out from those 12 days and have been trying to minister throughout the year between the fairs, and they started a podcast. And that podcast is what I'd like to share with you today. Today's theme is about drugs and rehabilitation, and we have a very special guest, and all of that will be revealed here in just the next couple of minutes. So thank you for joining us for the City Sites Podcast. It's a part of the City Sites Podcast Network. Thanks again for being with us today. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. People are us. We focus on people. We design our ideas around people. We care and are concerned for people. We love people. We are the Crossroads Chapel, the people you hear and see every year at the Minnesota State Fair. For us, life is based on two things, loving God and loving people. Thanks for joining us. What I learned could be summed up really very briefly by saying that addiction is not a choice that anybody makes, it's not a moral failure, it's not an ethical lapse, it's not a weakness of character, it's not a failure of will, it's just how our society depicts addiction nor is it an inherited brain disease, which is how the medical tendency is to see it, but it actually is it's a response to human suffering. It has been said that substance addiction and abuse is a complex disorder that leads to significant disruptions in daily living, including the loss of work, relationships, and health. It is progressive in nature and requires professional intervention for successful treatment. Some statistics that may surprise you, almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction, yet only 10% of them ever receive treatment. Drug overdose deaths have more than tripled since 1990, and from 1999 to 2017, more than 700,000 Americans have died from overdosing on a drug. We're going to talk about that today on the Crossroads Chapel podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Larry Kutzler, and alongside of me is Sean Jones. And Sean is the board chair of the Crossroads Chapel leadership team. And Sean, what do you think of those statistics? Well, I think, you know, one of the things is there's so much despair in our world today and so much pain and suffering and and not a lot of hope without Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, there is despair and no hope. And I think what people do is when they don't have a, a chance to have a savior to go to or church or a body of people that are ministering to them and, and holding them accountable, I think that it, uh, 
you know, a lot of people do turn to alcohol and drug addiction to medicate their, their pain and their suffering that's going on in their life. Well, we have what well, I would say an expert with us today. Terry Francis is a part of Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, and that is probably one of the most successful substance abuse treatment programs in the country. So, Terry, thanks for joining us today. So what would your answer be to that same question? Why so much addiction when we have so many programs that address the problem? Yeah, thanks for having me. I really believe that we're dealing with a an enemy that is a cunning and crafty, and he has used everything possible to impact people's relationships with the Lord, with family members, with the employer. And substance abuse have been around for such a long time. But over the last 20 years, what I've noticed is how things have gotten worse. I think society has a part to blame in it. The pharmaceutical companies looked away. And the opioid crisis is a result of, I believe, people that are higher up that made a lot of money on pharmaceuticals. If you want to just do a Google search and, and look at some rural towns where the addiction and the overdose and the uh, overdose death is at an alarming rate. I mean, the amount of opiates that was being shipped to these small communities was almost 10 times the amount of the population. And mm -hmm. so I think there's a lot of reasons why. And, you know, people have socially drank for years. And if they don't see it interfering with their job or, you know, their relationships, they don't believe they have an addiction problem. So until things come apart, now it's an addiction. But addiction is there when this is something you have to do. And it's not something you can just do socially. Well, you know, Terry, it's, it's interesting to me that you use the term that people think that they don't have an addiction. So it kind of creeps up on them. I mean, you're no stranger to addiction because you also had some issues earlier in life. Tell us a little bit about that. And how did it creep up on you? My addiction reared its head in the mid-80s, early 80s. And basically, it was just doing things for fun. And the next thing you know, I have a, a full-blown addiction. I had gained some sobriety, and I've always known the Lord. I've always known God my entire life. Good parents. My father was a pastor for over 50-plus years, and I knew better. I finally received the help I needed, and I started working in ministry myself. Met my wife and had a family. And I needed to get some wisdom teeth pulled, and I decided to just do them all at once. So my plan was to just have the dentist pull all four wisdom teeth at once so I don't have to go back and forth. And I was prescribed Vicodin, and that triggered something I thought was no longer an issue. And the Vicodin kind of resurrected addiction, and the next thing you know, my life come apart, and I find myself needing to get help. That's how I came to Minnesota Adult and Team Challenge as a client. 22 years later, I have the privilege of serving as the director of the program. That's really an incredible story. I know, Terry, that in my own personal experience, formerly a drug addict years and years ago, but in recent years, I've even seen pastors who have been alcoholics 10, 20 years in the making. Nobody knew it. 
until something happened, you know, whether it's the wisdom teeth being pulled or something. One pastor I know, 25 years, Terry, was drinking. Nobody knew it. So it's really a hidden issue, isn't it? I mean, do a lot of your clients somehow come, but they have to be exposed because they're hiding, right? For the most part. No one thinks they have an addiction. They just, you know, like to drink or socially drink. And the Bible says our body is a temple of God. And when we defile this body, there's consequences for that. For example, no one first drink is straight bourbon. Right. It always is mixed with something. And then once your system get immune to it, it needs more. It needs more. It needs more. I relate it to how the Bible says in Proverbs, there are seven things that are never satisfied. <laughs> that's a that's a fire no matter how much wood you put it will consume it the earth is it was never satisfied with the water it can flood and have you know two feet of water but eventually it's going to absorb it and a soul that's in it is never satisfied and our flesh it would it would make a, some adjustments and what it took Five years ago to get you, you know, you drained. Now, five years later, you need more. And that's how things progress. People are good at holding the beach ball underwater until it pops up on its own. Mm -hmm. And addiction is like that. You think you are managing it when it is managing you. Terry, uh, there's so many addiction recovery programs today. Why does uh, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge have such a high rate of recovery? I, I think we just care for people. We are a Christian program, but not all of our program is from the Christian aspect. We have our year-long program, residential, which is our Christian curriculum. We have licensed treatment that if a person wants a Christian track, they can get that. If they just want a track to deal with the physicality and the, just the mindset uh, pharmacology, excuse me, of drug addiction, they can receive treatment. They can receive treatment from Team Challenge. If they want to mix your treatment with how God views it, we have that ability. However, we treat both people the same. We love them. We love people. We love them in their pain and they want to stay around. So a person could come to Team Challenge with no interest of going to our Christian track, but because they was treated with dignity at the lowest point in their life. It impacted them from the inside out, giving God the ability to work. So many people want to cram God down, shove it down people's throat. And I don't view it that way. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth, but if something is too salty, <laughs> it's not edible. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can't beat them with the gospel. I have to love them through their pain, and that's what we do. Terry, you correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you have such a great reputation, that is Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, has a great reputation with secular organizations because they know you not only do you perform with excellence and have a track record, but for some reason, they just like you. They may yeah. not like the God aspect of it, but they accept it because you have such a great track record. Is that right? Yes, we are respected in the treatment industry. We are well-respected. We don't come in with a bulldozer and telling people what they need to do to be successful. It's called mutual respect and honoring each other. People are in the field. 
It's not that we have all the answers or they have all the answers. It's a mutual respect. And just think about it. I think that's the heart of God. Yeah. It's just meeting people where they are. The woman at the well, he didn't beat her over the head with condemnation. And, no. and he knew all about her, but he created this line of communication. Then he asked a big question. <laughs> Where's your husband? Yeah. Man, that's awesome. You know, I think you hit a great point with the, the fact that so adult and teen challenge, they love people. And, you know, the Bible is real clear is the greatest of these is love. You hear the different songs, you know, the old the old song, the Coca-Cola song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. But you know what? That's the truth. Mm. I mean, you know, God is love. And we as believers in, in the body of Christ, we have to start extending that Christ-like love to our fellow man, whether they're in the gutter or they're in the corporate world, whatever it is, it's love that changes people's lives. And I think that you bring a great point, Terry, about Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge. You love them into the the sobriety, into the kingdom. And and I love that because without love, there's nothing. Obviously, addiction can hit all age groups. But in your experience, is there more vulnerable groups of people? And why do you think that is? Yes, I, I think that there's no discrimination. There's no age barriers, no economic status, urban, the suburb. It doesn't matter where. But, but I think one of the things that I've noticed over the years is when the home is not intact, the enemy comes in and wreak havoc. We have single mothers that are doing the best they can, and they are holding up the bloodstained banner. But it's a different thing when the father is not present. She can do whatever she can, but I don't think a mother can teach a young boy how to be a man. And for him to be a man, he has to see a man. And the groups that I see that are most vulnerable is those where the father, the grandfather, that male presence, godly presence, when it's absence from the home, then we having the family to function in a way that God didn't call it to function. Now, this is not me. This is the Bible. God has specifically said that the male, the father, he's the head and not the tail. And whenever that you remove that, then you have some problems and that can create complications and especially in young people. That's what I see a lot of. So Terry, say if you were going to write a book and he called it Lessons from My Clients, what would you say? What would be the biggest lessons you have learned from the clients that have come to Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge? What perspective have they given you? Boy, I tell you, if I was to write one, the title probably would be The Greatest Comeback. I mean, oh, Larry, I see so many comeback stories. And the, the lessons that I've learned over the years is that policies, procedures, classroom settings, good teachers, good lesson plans doesn't change anyone. Mm. A person is changed when they come encounter with Christ and they place value on the life that he lived for them to glean from. When that light goes on, then there's a transformation that takes place. And it's just a neat thing to see. So my greatest lessons is that God can change anyone at any time. So those that's been struggling with addiction for 35 years, 
a 30-minute encounter with Christ, their life would never be the same. Obviously, there's so many in our audience that probably have loved ones that are struggling with some sort of substance abuse, right? So are there signs, are there things that we can be aware of when we see a loved one who's sort of drifting away, becoming silent, hiding, different behavior, moods, and so forth. Are there signs that you help people with to say, hey, if this is happening, this might be an issue? When a person starts to disengage with family activities, isolate, a lot of hygiene issues, and this can vary with different age groups, but the main one is isolation. Just a, a person who is normally pretty sensitive to time and schedules, now all of a sudden, they, they begin to cancel important meetings or show up late and always an excuse. And so uh, I think when there's a, something that's different in the person's routine, then it might be an indication that you could have a conversation. That, that would be my biggest advice. Look for something breaking in the routine. If you have a loved one you suspect is using, what should you do? And getting them, you know, help. Number one, what you shouldn't do is not take on their pain. I met with a family several months ago, and their loved one is in his mid-30s. They love, they love him. It's codependency. Why would a person give up a big screen TV? You pay my truck note, my insurance note. Why would a person give that up to come get help? I think we need to be realistic with how we're choosing to help as parents. Or as a parent myself, if any of my children called me now, I would probably, I would hang up this and say, I have to follow up with you later because I'm going to go find out what's going on. But I can't take on their responsibility to make good decisions. So I would get all of the facts, get the information, create this place where they can be honest with you and trust you, and then ask them, what do you want to do? Because it's ultimately their decision to get help. Now, if a person choose not to get help, it's your decision how you would respond. So you can't make the decision for them and don't allow them to make the decision for you. So if someone don't, don't want to get help, then you can say, well, well, son, I love you, but unfortunately, I won't be able to support you with this anymore. I know I've been helping you with your car note or your apartment and but i won't be able to do that i'll pay one more i'm not just going to drop it because i agreed to do that but going forward i won't be and you just have to draw the line and let god intervene in their life you're not god as parents <laughs> we're parents well that's so good terry i mean it's a little tough love and it's hard for parents to do that sometimes but necessary it's extremely hard yeah so every year at the Minnesota State Fair, Terry, students from the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge programs are at the Crossroads Chapel to share their stories. Why is that important for your students, your clients, to be public about their stories? Addiction is a selfish, selfish, selfish venture. It's one of the things you have to break. In order to overcome your addiction, you have to break the selfishness. And a person that's selfish takes, take and take and take. One of the signs that things are, are moving in the right direction is when someone goes from a taker to a giver. When you are sharing your story, you are giving. And it is, you know, we walking in the scripture, it says that we overcame him by 
the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. And whenever a client sings and speak about their story, there are connections that are being made. They have such tremendous intuition. They can be sharing their testimony and they can point out people in the audience that this is for them. And it's just a transformative thing that whenever you help the mother whose son is in addiction or a daughter who's that's stuck in addiction and after the service they come up and they talk with this client and they'll be able to give them some advice i think it's it's a major part of the sobriety journey terry francis you've been a, a wealth of information and certainly appreciate what minnesota adult and teen challenge does for the communities really across the country it's not just here in minnesota but it's really across the country Thanks so much for being a part of the Crossroads Chapel podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in August out at the State Fair, but I'm sure we'll revisit this conversation again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. We at Crossroads Chapel are, you know, we partner with all these different ministries like Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, Show Away Hungry, churches, and stuff that we are working with, you know, really becoming not just a a 12-day out-of-the-fair event, but a 365-day-a-year ministry. And, you know, we are working hard to fulfill the call of Jesus Christ, which is make disciples of all, and and to go out there and preach the gospel and share the love of Jesus with people that are hurting, and and whether they be addicts or just people that don't know Jesus and and his love. We feel very strongly about what the, the ministry is doing to really help and, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, the Minnesota State Fair, just the 12 days, we're talking about 2 million people that we actually come in contact with and with the different music and different things we're doing. You know, if it's one person during the 12 days that we bring to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it was all worth it. Uh, you know, the, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And so, you know, I know we've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds over the years, you know, we've got some new ideas about praying. We're going to have a, a new prayer tent that's going to really help people. And we're talking about baptizing folks that have, you know, that have given themselves to the Lord and haven't been baptized. You know, we just are, are trying to do things, especially in the year that we've had with the pandemic and the social unrest and, and the, the political unrest and all the things that went on, you know, this world needs Jesus. We feel like at Crossroads Ministries and Chapel that we're, we're part of that and we have to be a part of that. So we're, you know, we're excited about these podcasts, Larry, and, and working with you on this project because, you know, there's a lot of information that's not being shared with people in the body of Christ. For example, today with Terry Francis, my brother was a major alcoholic, died of alcoholism, mm. you know, last year. You know, he died of cirrhosis of the liver. And, you know, we tried to get him help. And But the good thing is, is that the, at the very end of his life, he accepted Jesus. So I know he's in heaven. But, Amen. you know, what, what, a, what a great life he would have had if he'd accepted Jesus earlier on and got help. Well, that's why we are at the fair. Because, you know, yeah. in light of what Terry Francis was sharing about addiction, you got two million people. Well, how many of those two million are really addicted? And when yeah. they're hearing the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge Choir sing, and give testimony. It's a witness to the power of God through Jesus. Amen. That's what we want to do at the State Fair. We want to introduce Jesus to people. Absolutely. You know, I think of a situation that happened a couple years, of course, we didn't have the fair last year, but a couple years ago, 
It was at the last day of the fair, literally at you know 9.30 at night, the fair's closing down in a half hour. This man came to our building and was literally distraught. He had had it. He was at the end of his life. He said, I don't want to live. I want to die. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. My family hates me. Mm. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And it just so happened that uh, Pastor Chris Heap was there and, and myself and Terry Chevalier on our board. We just witnessed and loved on this man for an hour. And it was a totally change. I mean, we prayed over him and and it was pretty amazing to, to see what transformed that half hour, 45 minutes that we prayed for him and laid hands on him and just spoke into his life and spoken to his life, love and, and hope and, and direction, you know. Well, those are the success stories, and we're so happy that that happened. So, but we do want to remind people that 12 days, yes, we're very visible at the Minnesota State Fair, but we're also visible or trying to become more visible 365 days the rest of the year, right? We want to do these podcasts. We want to do seminars. We want to do all kinds of things that carry those 12 days into the rest of the year, and that's what we're hoping to do. So we hope that you will enjoy the podcast with Terry Francis this time, and And that you'll share the link to other friends, your church people, your pastor, because I think there's some valuable information that Terry shared that all of us can benefit from. Any last word, Sean? No, just, you know, we're really grateful for you, Larry. And, you know, of course, you serve on our uh, executive board and and, uh, you've been a huge blessing. These podcasts are very exciting and I'm I'm very much engaged in what we're doing with these podcasts. I think the message will get out to the people that we have a database of 5,000 and send us some uh, feedback after you hear the podcast, go to our website and uh, really, you know, share some of your thoughts with us. And of course, we've got a prayer, prayer request spot on there as well. So yeah, it's really exciting. My addiction came to the point where it took over me. It took over me to the point where I had, I would call the, I would call my dope man, hoping he would not answer the phone because I knew if he did, I would have to go back out and do it all over again. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was addicted to meth for 15 years. At the end of my addiction, I had lost my job, I lost my home, I had lost my family, and I even lost custody of my own two kids. I didn't feel like I had a reason to live anymore. I was in a county jail and I heard about Teen Challenge. I've been able to see my son every week he comes to see me. We get to play over at the park and there's no walls in between us. There's no limits to the things that we can do. I get to physically hug him and kiss him and show him the affection like a normal father should do. Coming into a program that was spiritually based and following God, that was the last thing I wanted to do. But I did know deep down inside that it was the last thing that was going to save my life. God has just given me peace in my circumstances. Since coming to Teen Challenge, my family has been completely restored. I get to see my kids. I have hope. I have joy. I have purpose. Our vision at the Crossroads Chapel is to make Jesus known. Our mission is to tell his story. We are people just like you who are making a difference by bringing the hope of Jesus Christ into focus. Please check out our website to join thousands who are coming together to make his story known. Check out thecrossroadschapel.org. That's thecrossroadschapel.org. Hi, I'm Karen from Las Vegas, and I listen to City Sites Podcast.
Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators, all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network. 